Hello. Good afternoon. How's everybody doing out there in Radio Land? This is Dr. I, and I'm with Dr. Joe. Happy New Year. Same to you. Thank you. And I'm happy because we have a very esteemed guest sitting with us this afternoon. And his name is Pastor Michael Reeves, and he is the senior pastor of Corinthian Baptist Church, and he is our godfather, and he's our leader, and we respect him to the utmost. Wow. <laughs> that's an that's a introduction, that's right? That's a big introduction. Okay, come on with it. <laughs> we asked him if he would just pray us into the new year as we start this our second season of The Window. Thanks to all of you wonderful listeners who stuck with us through 40-plus programs and through the generosity of Pastor Reeves, who turns over the studio to us. And you all do a fantastic job. And I'm looking forward to what what God is going to do in 2022. Thank you. I I really am. I believe that this is just our year. Thank you. And I believe that with folk like yourselves, um, the professionalism, the fantastic information, um, that you bring to us is is just a blessing for everybody. So I think uh, the window is going to be a show that's going to reach far into the stars. Thank you. If you'll take us through the throne, we'll kick off Let's this new mm-hmm. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these mighty women of God. We ask even now as they launch their new season that you will bless, give them a fresh anointing, Father. And Father, we thank you for what you have done. We pray that every program that is aired on this station will be that which is pleasing in your sight that will inform, inspire, and challenge. And we just thank you for what you're about to do. For we ask it all now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, you. you, Pastor. Um, Thank you is a good way to start this show. Mm -hmm. Um, We have uh, been here doing this show for a year and have produced 41 episodes. And trust me, uh, there was no easy path to doing 41 shows this past year. Uh, You name it, illness, challenges with, with all kinds of things. But Dr. Joe and I were determined to live out this this vision of communicating with the Central Ohio community and the black community at large in 2021 to try to help pull back the blinds and open up the window Mm. to understand what was going on in this world. And uh, the closer you get to God, the more the challenges come up. And we saw them, but just about a month ago we were all here in the studio and we all felt that we were doing what God wanted us to do and so we're back again 2022 when we've got great plans for the window and Dr. Joe has been such an inspiration to me Um, it's interesting because I'm a big picture person and she's very detailed and I need that so much because I can walk out of my house and leave my purse in the house I have to go back, got my keys, don't have my purse, though. And I need a detailed person like you. Well, you know what? Thank you in return for inviting me to join you on this journey. And in addition to thanking our listeners who have been with us through those 
41 shows. We also couldn't have had this type of success to start our second season without our magnificent subject matter experts guests. And today certainly is not an exception. Our guest today is very busy, and so we're honored that he's taking his day off to spend some time with us today, along with another colleague from his organization. So we're going to ask our listeners that you listen along with us until the end of the show. We always hope you stay tuned until the end, but in particular today we have some exciting new enhancements to our programming on the window that we want to talk to you about. So we'll do that at the end because we want to get to our guests. The only other thing I'll say about the window right now is that you've asked us if you can talk back to us. And you can do that. Starting right now, we have an email site. It's the window feedback at gmail.com. The window feedback at gmail.com. You can send us messages before the show, after the show or during the show if you have questions or comments. So again, we'll talk to you more about other enhancements to the window because of what you've told us. But to get to our topic today, when Dr. I and I were reflecting about how to start this new year, so much is going on, so much. We talked about a great sense of loss that so many of us experience, certainly right here in our Central Ohio community. We've had some icons who we've lost recently in addition to those we've lost within our own circles of family and friends and we know that you all listening have had those same thoughts because you shared that with us so we've had a show on grief we talked about resurrecting that we talked about talking about new year's resolutions we discussed everything political going on in the word world today so many options on this martin luther king weekend anyway of what we could have talked about but for the fourth time in the nine months we've been on the air we decided to talk about covid we decided to talk about covid and our guest today, and I try so hard not to editorialize, but I can't help myself. Our guest today is really knowledgeable, more knowledgeable than, than Cousin Benji, more knowledgeable than some mm, conspiracy theorist, more knowledgeable than some of the folks we're getting our information from about COVID. And that's not meant to make light or make fun of anyone, but we all have lots of questions about COVID. And so we are so honored that Ohio Health, who you'll hear more about, who's a, certainly an icon in our community, as many of you know who the medical establishments are in your own communities around the country, wherever you're listening. But we decided the theme for this show would be COVID, the good, the bad, and the unknown, because there's so many unanswered questions. And we truly believe that our listeners want to be educated and enlightened as they make their own decisions. So Dr. Joseph Gastaldo is the system medical director of infectious disease for Ohio Health. In addition to being a physician, he's also a pharmacist. And so that really gives him a unique knowledge and perspective in the treatment of infectious diseases. He's a local Ohio kind of person in terms of where he got his, his education, but he's a recognized expert, not only locally, but nationally on COVID-19. And so Dr. Castaldo, again, we are delighted to have you here and we so respect everything you and our other healthcare workers have endured throughout your careers, but especially in the last two years. So welcome to the window. Well, thank you for the kind words. Uh, it's my honor actually to be here. And I love the title of this discussion, the good, the bad, and the unknown. And I really want to emphasize the good. Oh, that's a, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good We're news. all smiling yeah. through our masks mm -hmm. here in the studio. Why don't you start by telling us where are we right now? We've been talking about this for two years. What's the status of COVID in the United States as we enter the year 2022? 
Yeah, so right now, as everybody knows, things are kind of on fire with Omicron. And, you know, the whole wild card in the whole COVID pandemic has been these variants. And you know what? We are going to have other variants. The next letter in the Greek alphabet is pi. But I want to caution everybody. When you hear in the news or you hear a new variant that is out there, don't fear when you hear that. You know, since Delta, there has been the Lambda variant, the, the new variant, and those variants didn't come to any fruition. They kind of fizzled away. So we need to study variants, and there could be another variant in 2022, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We have the infrastructure in place. We have the tools in place to allow us to live safely with this virus. This is not 2019, it's not 2020 or 2021. We have the tools available today. So currently, we have Omicron. Omicron is very transmissible. It's very contagious. And that's where we are with our current state. Omicron numbers are really going up. But in Ohio and other parts of the world, we are starting to see slivers of sunshine where numbers are coming down in the community. But again, when you talk about cases that are out there, there's different types of cases that people need to keep in mind. There's the community cases, what's happening out in public. There's what's happening in the hospital with hospitalizations. We call that a lagging indicator. And then the ultimate lagging indicator are those that are dying every day from COVID. And we are really numb to those numbers. And in our country, just to give you some perspective of where we are in our country right now with um, numbers, in our country, we have on a seven-day movie average close to 2,000 people a day dying of COVID. And based on the current trajectory, we'll probably be at a million deaths of late winter, early spring of this year. And that is a tragedy. So when we hear you give us those kinds of numbers, and then you use the term living safely, how do we, especially for the benefit of our listening audience, who we always like to leave with how-tos, how do we live safely in this kind of environment? Yeah, so the most important thing is to get vaccinated and to get your booster. And we want people to remain fully vaccinated and stay current on their vaccines. Now, talking about vaccines and talking about immunology is complicated and there are a lot of nuances. And I'm going to boil it down to keep it simple. We are all used to something like the measles vaccine. If you get the measles vaccine, it prevents you from getting measles and it prevents you from spreading it to somebody else. The COVID-19 vaccine does not work that way. If you get the vaccine, the immunity you get for most people is protection from severe disease resulting in hospitalization and death. So what that really means is if you are fully vaccinated with a booster and the setting of Omicron, if you get COVID, you are very, very likely to be home with a cold or mild flu symptoms. That's the vaccine working. If you're home with mild cold or flu symptoms, that's fine. I don't want to see you in the hospital. To date, still at Ohio Health, roughly 85% of people in the hospital have not been vaccinated. And those in the hospital who have been vaccinated, no surprises there. Vaccines don't work in all people. In elderly people and those with certain medical conditions, those with a weakened immune systems, vaccines don't work as well. But for most people, 
you get vaccinated, you stay current, meaning you get your booster, you still get that wonderful layer of protection against severe disease resulting in hospitalization and death. So that's one tool. That's one tool. And those tools are available out there. To date in our country, we have given over 520 million doses of these vaccines. These vaccines are not experimental. I would even say the experiment is not getting vaccinated. So that's one tool. May I second tool? I'm sorry, before you go to the second tool, we have questions coming in both before the show and now about the vaccine. So may I ask you a few of those kind of fact or fiction questions? Absolutely. Do you want to knock those out? Let's do it. Okay. So again, to our listeners, if you want to send a question, you can send it to the the windowfeedback at gmail.com. So so hypothetically speaking, I am not vaccinated, but gee, there's no reason to get vaccinated because people who have been vaccinated get COVID. Okay, so let's dissect that now. So if you are vaccinated, and I'm not saying vaccinated. If you are vaccinated and you qualify for a booster, we want you to get that. If you are vaccinated, you are less likely to get infection compared to somebody who's not, but you could still get it. But more importantly, if you are vaccinated, you are very, very unlikely to be hospitalized or die. Second thing is, if you are vaccinated, can you spread it to somebody else Yes, you can. However, here's the caveat. If you're vaccinated and then you do get COVID, you clear the virus quicker. You are not as contagious as somebody who gets COVID without being vaccinated. Again, it's full of nuances and it boils down to this. I want everybody in the community to be vaccinated because I don't want to see you in the hospital. I don't want you to die of COVID. And that's where the vaccines perform very well. Okay, so please everyone hear that because he said it twice now. He said it in his original explanation and in response to that question about the benefits of not only being vaccinated with your first shot or your first two shots, but with your booster shot. Another question. So I've already had COVID. Do I still need to get vaccinated or do I have antibodies now? Yeah, again, let's dissect that a little bit. First of all, it is true. When you, get vac- when you do get COVID everybody gets a degree of immunity for a period of time however the immunity you get after having covid is quite variable from person to person it's dependent upon somebody's how sick they were their severity of illness and really how old they were so we don't want to make a generic statement and say hey if you've had covid you don't need to get a vaccine because if an 85 year old person gets covid her immunity from getting COVID is going to be a lot less or probably not that strong at all compared to someone who is 25. So we don't want to make a generic statement that says, oh, if you've got COVID, you don't have to worry about getting it again. The second thing is with antibodies. Please keep in mind that the FDA and the CDC, the antibodies against this virus, we don't know what they mean. Um, And that applies to other diseases, too. For example, HIV, hepatitis C, also give you antibodies, and those antibodies don't do anything. But when it comes to antibodies from natural infection, we really don't know what they mean, and we don't want people to make any decisions about a vaccine or a booster based on that lab test. Uh, I can tell you anecdotally, I've had patients get 
antibody tests done at different labs, and they say different things. So, again, don't make any decisions off that. It is safe to vaccinate people who have had COVID. And, in fact, people who have had COVID and then get vaccinated have something called hybrid immunity, and that's even better than people who get immunity from being vaccinated. Dr. Gestaldo, this is Dr. I. And I know I'm probably speaking for a number of people that have gone into Walmart to get their shots. And so I'm going into Walmart and I'm going to get my booster shot. And I see people of every walk of life coming into Walmart to get this shot. I saw a man almost seven feet tall. I saw a woman that was twice the size I was. I saw black people, white people, Asian people, Hispanic people. Is that to say that the same dosage that goes into a little old woman like me would would work for a seven foot Caucasian man uh, from the mountains. Is there any uh, difference between what is needed to protect uh, someone by race or size or or any or previous medical history? Yeah, that's a great question. So let's let's kind of look into that in detail. So when you look at so let's, let's look at the Pfizer clinical trial, for example. So the Pfizer clinical trial that got this vaccine, by the way, fully FDA approved, had 44,000 people in it. And I have reviewed that trial ad nauseum with all the details. Purposefully, you know, as an American country, we are very diverse. We have people from all walks of life, many races. And on purpose, out of 44,000 people, they intentionally had a diverse group of people in there including a significant amount of members of the black community. And um, the vaccine dose they used performed very, very well in all walks of life, all ages, all body types. And today, too, like I said earlier on, we have given over 520 million doses of these vaccines to everybody in all communities. And like I said before, they have performed very well in the metric of keeping people out of the hospital and preventing death. Dr. Gasaldo, similarly, everything you've said, would you apply that to someone who says, well, gee, I just have a strong immune system in general. I take my vitamins, I work out. What would you say to that person? Yeah, so it's very important to obviously take care of yourself. Take care of yourself, eat right, uh, take care of your high blood pressure, diabetes if you have those, lose weight if you can. Guess what? You cannot out healthy getting COVID. You cannot out healthy getting COVID. I love yes. that line. If you, if you have fewer medical conditions, if you get COVID, you're more likely to do better. But unfortunately, though, you know, I can tell you I've seen many people in the hospital. I've seen people who die with COVID who have no medical history at all and quite healthy. In addition to that, there's something called long COVID. Long COVID, we don't know a lot about. It basically refers to people who have COVID. And then for many weeks to months, People can have persistent symptoms that more or less keep them off kilter for a while, such as brain fogginess or fatigue or shortness of breath. And that's why we need to really get vaccines even into people who consider themselves healthy. Dr. Gasaldo, we're going to go to a short break. You're talking to us about COVID. We've talked about vaccines. There are other tools that hopefully you're going to talk to us about when we come back in just a moment on the window. We'll remind our listeners that you can talk to us live before the show, during the show, after the show. 
by sending us an email at our new email site, thewindowfeedback at gmail.com, thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. We'll be right back on The Window. We're back on The Window with our guests from Ohio Health, one of the premier healthcare institutions in central Ohio. We know that for our listeners, you have your own healthcare institutions and practitioners there locally. We're talking to Dr. Joseph Gastaldo, a national expert on COVID, about the good, the bad, and the unknown about COVID. Dr. Gastaldo just gave us a very easy to understand explanation of where we are now with COVID and, and one of the tools in our arsenal and that's the vaccine. Dr. Castaldo, before we ask you about what else is in our toolbox to, as you said, live safely, even in spite of the alarming COVID numbers, we've had a question come in. Is someone being unreasonable, based on everything you've said and what we know, is someone being unreasonable if they say to family and friends, we just left the holiday season, gee, if you're not fully vaccinated, we would just appreciate it if you could send us love from afar. Is that... Um, is that being unreasonable for someone to ask that? Absolutely not. You know what? We, we want to advocate for our family, for our loved ones. You want to advocate for your own well-being and your own health. And, you know, there may be a listener on here who has a weakened immune system. Uh, somebody, for example, maybe a transplant patient. You have to advocate for your own safety and your own well-being. Uh, and again, I think that is a very reasonable thing to do. It's not a sign of disrespect. It's actually a sign of love and caring. Uh, to be extra careful around people who are uh, not healthy and people who have immunocompromised states. And you go, I have those people in my family, and everybody does. Great. Thank you. What else is in our arsenal? And I call it an arsenal because, in my mind, this is, this is still a battle in spite of the encouragement that you're giving us. We don't want anyone to take this too lightly. Yeah, so uh, this is what I'm really most excited about. And, again, it's a very limited supply now. But... In 2022, we have, uh, are starting to get the introduction to antiviral pills. Now, we're all familiar, I think most people are familiar with a medicine called Tamiflu or Oseltamivir. Tamiflu is the pill we give to people who have the flu. It works pretty well. It's very easy to take. You take it twice a day for five days. So from the federal level in the state of Ohio, we are starting to get a very, very limited supply of two different oral antiviral pills. But as 2022 goes on, each month, we're gonna be getting more and more of these pills. So here's how these pills are gonna work. Again, we want people to use all the tools. We want people to get vaccinated. We want people to stay current, get their boosters. But in the setting that somebody who is at risk, someone who is overweight, somebody who has diabetes, somebody who has uh, high blood pressure, if there's an at-risk person who has COVID, we want them to have quick access to take these medicines by a pill to keep them out of the hospital. And again, these, these pills are not a substitution for the vaccine, but that's another tool we're gonna have in the box. And I feel optimistic that Throughout 2022, these pills are going to be becoming more available, and that's going to be a great tool in the box that we have to learn to live safely with this virus. So does that mean that people who have said all along, gee, this is just like flu, were right? And, and let me say one thing about that. People I know who have had COVID have said even the mild cases are nothing to play around with. But is this just like flu? Well, not now. 
uh, when the when the pandemic began, absolutely not. This is not just like flu. You know, like I said earlier on, uh, for many people, it's more than a 10-day uh, stay-at-home type cold. And we are going to have over a million deaths by late winter, early spring. So it's not like flu in that regard. However, down the road, bearing some kind of uh, variant or bearing something else that may be unpredictable, uh, this virus is never going away. We have to learn to live safely with this virus. And the way to learn to live safely is with immunity from vaccines and pills. We're on that pathway to get there. Um, but um, when it's all said and done, it's going to be more like flu as far as pills, as far as getting boosters perhaps regularly, like once a year, as far as uh, tweaking the vaccine. Uh, maybe covering for a different variant. So in that similarity, it is like flu, but we're not there yet. Now, what about mass and home tests? I've become a very popular person because there's a rumor that I have a stash of, of N95 masks and home tests, which I do not, so don't send us a message about that. But let's talk first about testing and home tests. Are they accurate? How often do we need to be tested? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so home tests are another tool in the box. And again, uh, just to let you guys know, too, you know, those positivity numbers that come out every day from the Ohio Department of Health, those are PCR tests. And PCR tests are done in labs. And if, when a lab has a positive test, they have to report those to the Ohio Department of Health. Home antigen tests don't have to report it. So that daily number that we get every day uh, is going to be less reliable moving mm-hmm. forward because we're doing more home tests. But nonetheless, Home tests are an important tool we have in the box. I'm very happy to see that the Biden administration in a few days is going to allow people to order those online. Um, And I would uh, recommend everybody get the information needed on that so we can get people to have one of those tools that's important for them. Um, And home testing is a tool we have in the box. So home testing is most reliable when somebody has symptoms. So perfect world, you wake up, you don't feel well, you test yourself, and if you have a positive test, you isolate yourself. We don't want you potentially uh, spreading it to anybody else. And, of course, if you're an at-risk person, uh, contact your primary care provider to see if there's anything else to do. Specifically, if you're at-risk, is a consideration for monoclonal antibody important for you, or if you're at risk, do you uh, take one of these pills appropriate for you if you have access to them if they're available? So home testing is important. Do it if you have symptoms. And it's less reliable but still an okay screening test to do if you don't have symptoms. So, for example, let's say you're going to go visit somebody in your family who is a transplant patient and you want to take an extra layer of protection and test yourself right before you go visit them. And in that regard, the home test is a good thing to consider. And so these, these tests that will be available online, I'm assuming there will be public information about where to go and how to get them online. Will they be affordable? Well, they're going to be free from the federal government. So, um, you know, um, it, this information just came out from the White House yesterday. Um, I don't have access to it now, but the White House released a statement yesterday. They actually what the website is. I think it's um, COVID19test.gov, although I'm not sure, but something like that. But the White House did release a statement yesterday that uh, someday this week, I think it's either Thursday or Friday, people can go online and order tests and have them delivered to their home so many per month. 
Uh, and again, home testing and masks and all that kind of stuff, we really have to be sensitive to equity because, um, you know, the way it stands now, there is a limited amount of free tests, and uh, there are other tests that people have to pay for. And obviously, paying $20 for a box of tests is a lot of money for many people in our society, and many people don't have access to those tests yet to pay for. So we really need to really focus on equity and make sure everybody has access to these tests. And what about masks? We're hearing about N95 masks, which don't look nearly as cute as some of the other ones we've seen, but, <laughs> but, but what can you tell us about masks? Yeah, so the CDC yesterday did change their masking guidance a little bit. Here's what it boils down to. Masks are important. We want people to wear a mask the right way. And all of us have been out in public before seeing people with masks uh, beneath their nose. You want to have a well-fitted mask that covers your nose, your mouth, and your chin. So we want people to wear a mask that's most comfortable for them. In that context, we now want people to know that different types of masks perform better. So, for example, the mask that performs the least is a cloth mask. The mask that performs better than a cloth mask is what we call a disposable mask or surgical mask or medical mask. That's what we wear in the hospital. The mask that performs better than that is what we call either a KN95 respirator or an N95 respirator, which we use in the hospital for medical grade. So, it basically boils down to Wear a mask. Wear a mask that's most comfortable for you. Um, if you are only comfortable in a cloth mask, that's fine. But if you are if you are comfortable in either a disposable medical grade mask or a KN95 mask, which performs better, then it's really better for you to wear one of those. Great. And while you were talking about masks, to go back to just a moment for you, um, to where you were telling us that you can get tests online. That website where you can go to get tests online beginning January 19th, free tests from the government is COVID tests, C-O-V-I-D-T-E-S-T-S. Be sure and put the S on the end, C-O-V-I-D-T-E-S-T-S dot gov. Dr. Thank you Sa- for sharing that. that. That's actually right off the, that's right off the press too. I mean, that just, that just came out yesterday and it's very important that Americans know about this. These, these are 500 million tests purchased by the federal government. They're going to purchase more. And I wish we could do a redo and go back a year and start this a year ago or so. But uh, having home testing is an important tool. Um, imagine, uh, again, if we would have had this resource up and running uh, a year ago when people could stay home and get testing results right away and isolate themselves. But nonetheless, I'm so happy this is out there. And this is another example of a tool in the box in 2022. And a few more questions, if we may. You just mentioned isolation. So I personally was amazed at right around the holidays how many calls I was getting from people who said, I tested positive and I'm fully vaxxed. Someone in my family wasn't vaxxed, tested positive. Someone at work couldn't go to work. Organizations having to shut down because they don't have enough people, which is consistent with what you said about the contagious nature of this latest variant. But how long should we stay at home and isolated? We've heard different kinds of information about that lately, if we've tested positive or been around someone who has. 
Yeah. So again, I I, I don't work for the CDC. I feel bad for them because uh, the messages are so confusing for people to follow. But I have the utmost confidence in the health professionals at the CDC, the NIH, and the FDA. So again, we are now in 2022, and previously, you know, the recommendations that we uh, were living with for a while, about 10 days, that was based on the original variant, and it was also based on the fact that really nobody had immunity. So the CDC decided to walk a fine line and a balance because if they didn't change the 10-day thing, things would be shut down in our society. You know, in healthcare, we are struggling with a lot of people being home and not being able to work. Uh, Airlines we know about, but it's also affecting schools and bus drivers and places at the grocery store. So this is what the CDC did, knowing that it's now different and a lot of people do have immunity from being vaccinated. So the CDC changed the guidelines based on the science, and the science basically says this. You are most contagious about two days before you develop symptoms, and then once you develop symptoms, you are most contagious for about two or three days. And the CDC guidance is as follows. If you are home with COVID, we want you to isolate yourself for five days total, and day zero is when you begin having symptoms. So five days total at home. If at the fifth day you are feeling better, not back to normal, but if you are feeling better and you have no fever for at least 24 hours without the use of a medicine like Tylenol or Advil, it is okay for you to stop isolation. However, how, here's the big however, it's very important for you to wear a high-quality mask appropriately for five more additional days. And again, that five more additional days is really um, covers about 20% of people who are still contagious after five more days. So again, that makes sense based on the science. And again, at the end of the five days, if you're still having fever, you don't leave it. You stay home and you finish the total of 10 days. Another option that the CDC left in place is if people want to test themselves, this is optional. If people want to test themselves for a, a, um, with a home test at the end of five days, they could do that. But again, it doesn't really change anything because even if you come out of home isolation for five days, it's still very important for you to wear a well-fitted mask for five more. So you mentioned um, very delicately the, the kind of considerations, I'll say, that need to be taken in mind to have a more holistic view of COVID in our society. And, and, and one of those implications, of course, is trying to avoid a shutdown. I'm going to guess that there's a lot of political pressure and, and a lot of pressure from businesses as decision makers are making decisions. And, and we won't get into the topic of our schools today. Um, other than to ask you, based on everything you've said, is there anything different that you would say as it relates to children and COVID? Yeah, I mean, obviously, kids should be vaccinated. And, you know, um, in the state of Ohio, uh, we have only really vaccinated 16%. As everybody knows, hopefully, we have a vaccine available for age 5 to 11. We don't have a vaccine yet available for people below the age of 5. But hopefully, that will come out uh, in the first quarter of 2022. But kids age 5 to 11, yeah, they need to be vaccinated. You know, um, in our country nationally, we have had over 1,000 deaths from COVID in children. And that blows my mind away. It makes me very sad. Not all of those children have weakened immune systems or coexisting conditions. 
but we need to vaccinate children. So um, they're part of the community. And when we talk about a herd immunity, they're part of the herd. So we're going to segue to break in just a few moments. And I know that you've been more than generous with your time. And we have another Ohio health expert as it relates to community who we'd like to bring on but just a few more questions if we may so i'm going to ask you to speculate and if that's unfair please let me know that you're not able to do that but you mentioned the vaccination rate would we be in a different situation right now if early on when the vaccines became available more people would have made the decision to get vaccinated well the honest answer to that is yes um uh, like i said before too at Ohio Health, the vast majority of people in the hospital are unvaccinated. Um, like I said, the people in the hospital with COVID who are vaccinated are people with weakened immune systems and medical conditions where vaccines don't work as well. So hypothetically, if we could go back in time and let's say within the first six months, we had 80% of the people in our country be vaccinated, that's 80% of people who would have a great layer of protection against severe disease resulting in hospitalizations. In that regard, yes, we would not have had as many deaths and things would be better in the hospital today. Could COVID have been wiped out, eradicated like other diseases that we no longer hear about once people got vaccinated? Um, yes and no. I mean, if it was possible to get vaccines into everybody in the world within a month, yes. But you have to realize, too, COVID anywhere is a threat everywhere. And, you know, in the, in the continent of Africa, for example, uh, that, the, that continent doesn't have access to vaccines yet, and they only have about 10% of their population vaccinated. So we have to be cognizant of that, too. And that's my concern moving forward with potential for another variant that may be more concerning moving forward. But, um, yes, I mean, hypothetically, if we could have gotten vaccines worldwide into everybody in a short period of time, yes. But obviously, that's easier said than done. It's something that's really impossible because of vaccine supply. Okay, and one final question. I know every question has been the final question, but, but really, it's such an, an honor to have you here with your extensive knowledge. We have a question about the term endemic. What does that mean? So when something becomes endemic, what that really means is um, it's something that does not go away, and it's something that kind of pops up every once in a while, and something that pops up more regularly in certain seasons, kind of like the flu. And again, this virus is not flu, but the influenza is an endemic virus that pops up everywhere, um, and we typically see it more so in the winter months. Moving forward throughout 2022, bearing some other variant that could conceivably pop up, you know, we're still going to see um, little pop-ups of COVID in our community and you know those those in the hospital are going to be those continue to be unvaccinated and even next winter we're probably going to see more covid in people too because of the winter months when people are indoors but again i want everybody to have the type of protection that keeps them out of the hospital that prevents them from dying and in that regard the safest way to get that type of protection is through a vaccine and from what you've told us today through a vaccine through remaining current in your vaccines, through wearing the appropriate type of face mask and protective covering, through testing as appropriate as you've detailed throughout this, and through just being considerate of each other and realizing that we're all in this society together. Would that be You're a correct absolutely summary? right. Well, well, yeah, so one of what you know, people ask me, say, hey, what, do you have a New Year's resolution? 
Dr. Gasaldo, and I said, well, myself, I have a New Year's resolution for the community, and that's for us to all care about each other. I care about you. I know you care about me because I can feel it in your voice. And I want everybody to have the best protection they can uh, against this virus. Dr. Joseph Gastaldo from Ohio Health, System Medical Director of Infectious Disease. Thank you so much for everything that you and your healthcare colleagues have been doing to get us this far with COVID and to get us to the point where we have great stories to tell our children about how we collectively as a society survive this really critical threat that still is a threat to our listeners. Please don't take the masks off and take the gloves off and put the lights all away. We are still in a battle. Dr. Costaldo, we're going to bring on one of your Ohio Health colleagues after the break. But for right now, thank you. On behalf of Dr. I and I and all of our listeners at the window, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. God bless you. And we are talking with our neighborhood community experts that are helping us understand where we are with the pandemic. And next we have Ms. Autumn Glover, who is the Director of Infectious Disease. I'm sorry. She is a Senior Director of Health and Wellness, my mistake, and she's going to be talking to us about how we as a community can stay safe. Are you there, Autumn? I'm here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. We look to Ohio Health for credible information, and there's so much out there that for for the average consumer like Dr. Joe and I, we just get confused, and we want to go to the source and get the information. And we do appreciate, and I appreciate, my colleague from many, many years ago, Sana Booker at Ohio Health, for connecting us to you. Um, Anytime I have any kind of health questions, I go to her and have been doing that for probably the last 20 years. So I want to give a shout out to her. But in any event, it looks like we are fortunate that you um, have been in the community health uh, arena for a long time. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us just a little bit about why you chose that that area? Absolutely. And uh, one, I I would be remiss. I have the great pleasure of working with uh, Sana Booker, um, who's a nurse and the clinical manager for our mobile health strategy at Ohio Health. Um, She's a resource for many. And I think that's part of the reason people like Sana are are part of the reason and inspiration even for my own journey um, of being in the community. Um, For the listeners, you can't see me, but I'll tell you, um, I grew up um, in a urban community. Um, really lifted by um, the community connections and the social network of my family and the people in the community and in the village who took care of me. And so um, as I think about my career journey, it's really a calling um, for me to give back to the community that has brought me through. And although I'm not a native of Central Ohio, uh, my community is my community wherever I go. Um, So I'm just very fortunate um, to give back in that way. Um, I am actually an urban planner by training. And so um, I studied in a school of architecture, really thinking about um, the way communities are built. Um, and if they're built for everybody to share success, to share health and well-being. Um, and if they're not, then I want to be at that intersection solving those problems. So um, in my career, I've been very fortunate to do 
um, community development work and, and housing and health care. Um, and all of those things really are interconnected and impact our health. So um, I've been at Ohio Health for just under six months. Um, previous to that, I was at The Ohio State University for almost 18 years. Um, but I am so honored um, to join the Ohio Health team. Um, and I would say from a community engagement perspective, um, that is really the, the wealth and the power um, of building um, healthy communities, that we're connecting with people and being in relationship with them. Um, and I think we've seen great success, and I'll be very happy to share with you some of the work we're doing um, in the community because we've led with community engagement. So really um, using that as our North Star to get people information that they need about COVID-19, but then also generally about their health and well-being. Well, that's a great lead into Ohio Health's priorities in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, we are at the corner of Barnett and Livingston, and we mm-hmm. are in the community, the black community. And you may have heard some cars in the background, but this community um, has a great need for support from a health care organization, as do many neighborhoods in central Ohio. So what mm-hmm. are the priorities and how are you all um moving into uh, the communities that need a tremendous amount of support. Absolutely. So I'm not far from you. Um, I live in in the urban core. I could probably be right next to you in in less than five minutes. So um, I know exactly the community that you're describing, and it's not unlike many urban communities across the country. Um, For your listeners, for context, Ohio Health is um, nationally recognized, but based here in Columbus, Ohio, it's a nonprofit healthcare outreach of the United Methodist Church. So, um, one of the things that truly drew me to Ohio Health was the core values of really honoring the dignity of all people and making sure that we're disrupting um, truly cycles um, of systemic inequities that bear uh, communities into a place where they don't have good access. So, one of our key priorities. Um, that we've been doing for nearly 30 years is um, our mobile health outreach. So we have three mobile vehicles that are out in communities made vulnerable, um, delivering primary care, women's health, um, and really for the last year also delivering um, COVID-19 vaccines. So um, it is always our intention and our purpose um, to go where people need us most um, and to serve them with what I would call radical hospitality. So our team Um, Sana and many others on our team, our nurses, our pharmacists, um, they're showing up in the space ready to serve. So um, again, we're looking to address the most pressing health challenges, one of which is COVID-19 that we've been talking about today, Um, but using data to tell us where people need us. So um, we have many tools um, in our toolkit to look and see where are people testing most positive for COVID, where are there still low vaccination rates, Um, and we're taking our mobile Um, clinic to those places um, consistently. Um, But I think what's very important and really the key to our strategy is that we're doing it in partnership. So we share the solution with the community. So we've partnered with um, well over 30 organizations and civic organizations um, to plan vaccine clinics, um, school districts, and everybody in between um, that we're not just showing up in places, but we're coming where we're invited. Um, and then we're also taking the time to ask people, you know, what are, what's, what's holding you back? 
Um, we are always so happy to see people when they see our large vehicles. And if you live in Central Ohio, um, you can't miss the Wellness on Wheels vehicles. We're so happy to see people, even if they just want to talk to us and ask our clinical team questions as they decide about the vaccine. Um, truly have no judgment. Um, we just want to be present where people need us. Well, you know, one thing, um, Autumn, that I find a challenge is to read the information about COVID and many other illnesses and, and maladies that impact the black community and understand what is really going on. And there's so many um, diseases that seem to um, be more frequently found in people of color or poor people. And we don't have a real good source of information other than pretending like we might understand something when we go to the doctor or listen to someone else, where would you recommend that um, people that are struggling every day go to get credible, um, understandable information about what is out here that can make them sick? Absolutely. Um, so one thing I will say is that it is truly the responsibility of healthcare not just to diagnose and treat, but to share that information. So part of our strategy has been hosting focus groups, taking surveys, doing one-on-one -on -one counseling with people um, to answer questions. Um, I was raised by a nurse practitioner and a social worker. And so I will tell you that um, the way that my mom really uh, taught me about interacting with healthcare is to make them answer your questions. Clinic and time in clinic is um, community engagement. And so um, one, your PCP is always that front door and they should be that front door. If you're not finding um, that relationship to be one where you feel comfortable asking questions when you're in clinic or sending a message on my chart, then maybe you need to identify a new provider that meets your need. Um, but I think, you know, first line of defense is always um, talking with your PCP. Um, I think there are a lot of organizations um, that put out a lot of information that can be hard to grasp, right? Um, and you mentioned that, you know, you see all this information and maybe you don't understand. That to me sounds like an opportunity for conversation. And so, um, again, talking with clinicians in the community, pharmacists are always great helpful resources, um, community nurses, there are a number of resources there. Um, I think one of the things that's very unique about our uh, Wellness on Wheels strategy is that relationship um, that patients get when they're interacting with our providers on the mobile. Um, it is truly what I would describe VIP care. Um, you get a multidisciplinary team um, really working with you, and that's the standard across Ohio Health. So um, I would definitely say seek health information from health experts and clinicians. Um, but the other thing that you touched on is really the prevalence of disease in certain um, populations. And um, this is not new. These are really compounded experiences over time. So if you don't have access to healthcare um, or a car or housing, um, that is of no fault of many people living in these urban communities. And so what we have a responsibility to do, I think, in healthcare is really figure out how we overcome and help our patients overcome those barriers. Um, the greatest thing we can do is inspire self-efficacy. So give people the information and really empower them um, to make good decisions that they feel confident in um, and that they feel like they were heard. And that takes time, right? Building the relationship and building the trust takes time. But then also sometimes understanding the information takes time. So if you 
ask a question and you get a response and you consider it and you still don't quite understand, ask it again. Um, and I would encourage people to be bold. We are the quarterbacks of our own individual health and really having that self-responsibility around understanding what's best for us, um, take seeking the information until we get it. Now, you know, one more point, and then we, we, we have to look at ending the conversation, even though we could talk all afternoon. Yes. Yes. Both um, Dr. Joe and I were single moms um, with children in public schools. And mm-hmm. when I hear what's going on right now in the public school system and parents can't go to work because of the situation with the schools closing and the bus drivers and on and on and on and on. Um, it breaks my heart. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have child care when I had to go to work every day. Is Ohio Health involved in that discussion? Um, we are not involved directly, but I will tell you over the last two years in the pandemic, I've personally um seeing that i uh am very grateful um that my child is um not missing school but i'd like you feel for those especially the single parents but really all parents that are juggling so much so i just say to anybody that this is your situation i just hold space for you because i know that that is not um easy it is a very challenging thing to make sure that you're doing the best by your kid but you're also providing I will say here locally in Columbus, an organization called the Columbus Dream Center um, set up safe places where students in neighborhoods across Columbus could go do their virtual learning. Um, and so if you are in Central Ohio and you do have this need, I would encourage you to reach out to columbusdreamcenter.org. Um, I had the great fortune of helping to coordinate some of these sites on the Near East Side last year with a number of churches, Trinity Baptist Church, Second Um, Baptist and and many others, Broad Street Presbyterian Church, who opened their doors, um, which I would say for those of us who are people of faith, this is really what we're called to do. Um, Excuse me, it's to serve our communities, especially in these times. So there are resources and safe places um, identified for families. I think the other thing, too, is there are also resources for people who may not be able to work from home because they don't have the internet in their home. Um, and so there's a pilot, actually, that the city of Columbus has funded um, for families on the south side and the near east side to get access to the Internet. So, um, again, I, I think the world of, the, of our friends at the Columbus Dream Center, most of our work at Ohio Health is done through partnerships. In fact, our department is called Community Health Partnerships. So if it's not us, um, it may be one of our partners like the Columbus Urban League, YMCA of Central Ohio, and so many more. Um, we're always happy to help people navigate. So if people get stuck, they can feel free to call us. Um, and we are very happy always to help people um, get to the right place. So um, as you asked about staying at home with kiddos, um, Columbus Dream Center is probably the first one that comes to mind as a resource for that. Well, we want to thank you for your very, very crucial, important information. And we want to be a collaborator with Ohio Health to get the information out that can help our communities of need. And now I have to turn it over to Dr. Joe, but thank you, thank you, thank you to Ohio Health. Thank you to you, um, Autumn, and Dr. Gustavo. We appreciate you, and we are glad that you looked through the window with us today. Wonderful. Thank you so much.
And again, thank you to our listeners for joining us for season two, especially with today's show, just a special appeal to everyone. We've tried at the window, as have so many other communication sources, to bring you the best in information and not misinformation. And so we invite you to join us in the battle against COVID and to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. You may not have a medical degree. Most of us do not. You might not have access to the latest and greatest Internet news. But especially for those of us as colored, we didn't have anything else. We had common sense. And we had a love of community. So please join us in this battle. We said we had exciting news about the window, and we'll be elaborating more in the weeks to come. But for right now, as we've announced throughout the show, you can talk to us. And thank you for those of you who have already done that at thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. You can send us an email anytime at thewindowfeedback at gmail.com. We'll also have news for you in the upcoming weeks about how you can listen to shows that you may have missed, that you weren't able to view live or that you'd like to pass on to someone else. You'll be able to do that on our new website that we'll introduce. And also, we will be, in addition to being on 1580thepraise.com live every Saturday from 12 to 1 Eastern time, we'll be on... Um, on Apple, on Player FM, on Pocket Cast, on Radio Public, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on Pandora, anywhere that you go to listen to podcasts. But we just believe there's not another broadcast like ours because there just aren't listeners like ours who want to join us every week in reflecting on life through the window. Dr. I, we'll see everybody next week. Happy New Year. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Take care and be safe. <laughs>